in the fourth chapter of Ezra. Amen. Very important word tonight in the word of the Lord to us. We were going to learn a lot. Very solemn teaching in the fourth chapter of Ezra. Very important for us to see and understand. Last chapter we saw the joy. The foundation of the temple has been laid. The altar has been re-erected. There's joy over that event. And now we come to the fourth chapter and we see the enemy's opposition to the building of the temple. And in the chapter we will see the tactics that the enemy always uses against the work of the Lord. He doesn't come up with anything new. He just keeps doing the same thing over and over and over throughout the ages. So what is seen in the fourth chapter of Ezra is his tactics against the church, against you individually, even today. So in the fourth chapter of the book of Ezra, verse 1, Now when the adversaries of Judah and Benjamin heard that the children of the captivity builded the temple unto the Lord God of Israel. Then they came to Zerubbabel and to the chief of the fathers and said unto them, Let us build with you, for we seek your God as ye do, and we do sacrifice unto him since the days of Esarhaddon, king of Assyria, that's Assyria, okay, which brought us up hither. But Zerubbabel and Jeshua and the rest of the chief of the fathers of Israel said unto them, Ye have nothing to do with us to build an house unto our God, but we ourselves together will build unto the Lord God of Israel, as King Cyrus, the king of Persia, hath commanded us. Then the people of the land weakened the hands of the people of Judah and troubled them in building and hired counselors against them to frustrate their purpose all the days of Cyrus, king of Persia, even until the reign of Darius, king of Persia. And in the reign of Hazarus, in the beginning of his reign, wrote they unto him accusation against the inhabitants of Judah and Jerusalem. Please pray. Father, we thank you tonight for your awesome word. Reveal to us, Lord Jesus, truths that we must hold dear to our hearts. We may not deceive or discourage, Lord Jesus, in our labor and our work for you. God, I pray you set a watch at my mouth tonight. Set a guard there that I would only speak, I would only say that which you would want me to say. Father, we trust you tonight, Lord Jesus, that you will help us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated in the name of the Lord. All right, the people of the Lord have returned back to the land of Israel and they have returned back to the Word of God, returned back to an altar and building of a temple of the Lord, and now the adversary comes to hinder uh, the work of God in that building. Say praise the Lord. 
Okay. First of all, what we need to understand is this, is that we're going one direction. Amen. And that's to heaven. How many want to go to heaven? And if you're going the direction that takes you to heaven, there's some people that are going another direction. Amen. So if you're going one direction and they're going another direction, that means you're going to come face to face from time to time. Amen. And literally with the devil. Because you're on your way to heaven and he's on his way to the other place. So don't be surprised as you make your journey toward God that at some point you're going to come face to face with the adversary, the devil himself. Because he is the one that is behind the adversaries in this chapter. Amen. What we have here is the enemies of God rising up to hinder or to stop the work of God. If they're adversaries of God, that means they're going to be adversaries to the church. And they're coming face to face. As they're going one direction, the adversaries are going another. They're coming face to face with each other. And there's going to be a great battle that, go, that takes place and it's going to be perpetual. It's going to be long. Amen? It's going to be ongoing through many reigns, through many kings. Not just one, but through many kings, as the chapter tells us. All right? The first tactic that the adversary uses, that Satan uses, to try to stop the work of God. When I talk about stopping the work of God, I'm talking about trying to stop pure religion. You understand? Say with me, pure religion. The first thing he does is he seeks to join you. Okay? Now, we've already seen these adversaries in the third chapter of Ezra. The Bible says that they were terrorizing the people of God. So the Bible then says, then they erected or re-erected the altar of the Lord as a result of the enemy terrorizing them. Remember that? We already preached that to you last week. Now we see the enemy coming. He's not terrorizing them. But he comes and tries to become or present himself friendly. Okay, you with me? Let's see what happens here. The Bible tells us in verse 2, as the children of the captivity were building the house of the Lord, then came they came to Zerubbabel, and these are the adversaries. Notice that the Bible says they are adversaries. They came to Zerubbabel and to the chief of the fathers and said unto them, Let us build with you, for we seek your God as you do, and we do sacrifice unto him since the days of Esarhaddon, or Haddon, king of Assyria, which is Assyria, which brought us up hither. But Zerubbabel and Joshua, or Jeshua, and the rest of the chief of the fathers of Israel said unto them, You have nothing to do with us to build an house unto our God, but we ourselves together will build unto the Lord God of Israel, as King Cyrus, the king of Persia, hath commanded us. Okay, so the first tactic of the adversary then is to come and present himself friendly. The Bible says that he disguises himself as an angel of light. And he wants to come and he wants to act like that he's a friend. He wants to participate in building the church. Correct? 
But what we see here in the leadership of Israel is they are saying no to a brotherhood of religion. Now, first of all, who is it that's coming to uh, Zerubbabel and Jeshua and the leaders and requesting to help build the temple? Who are these people? Well, the Bible says they're adversaries. But let's go over to Kings, 2 Kings 17. And you will find out who these people are. In verse 24 of 2 Kings 17, tells you who these people are. They are the Samaritans. You with me? Okay, verse 24. The king of Assyria brought men from Babylon and from Cathah and from Ava and from Hamath and from Sepharvaim and placed them in the cities of where? Samaria instead of the children of Israel and they possessed Samaria and dwelt in the cities thereof. So 2 Kings 17 is when Assyria took the ten tribes captive. 721 to 722 B.C. Okay? Now what the Assyrians did when they took the ten tribes captive, they repopulated the land of Israel with people from Assyria. So we have various people. We have Babylonians. We've all got all kinds of nationalities or nations here that the king of Assyria is repopulating the land of Israel with. And he put them in Samaria because Samaria, Samaria is the political capital or the capital at that time. You with me so far? Okay, let's do a little... Let me ask you a few questions to get, get you with me here. What is the capital of the ten tribes of Israel in the Bible? Okay, somebody said Samaria. Any other? Anybody else want to take a guess? What the capital city of the ten tribes of Israel were? Well, Jerusalem is the capital city of the southern kingdom of Judah and Benjamin. You're right. Samaria is the capital city of the ten tribes of Israel. Now, the ten tribes of Israel are taken captive because of what? A failure in true religion. You with me? Okay, so in the place of the people then, the Assyrian king, as I just read to you, is repopulating Samaria, the capital city of Israel, with these foreign nations. And they became known as the Samaritans because they dwelt in Samaria, the capital city of Israel. Now, these nations that the king of Assyria repopulated the land with, some say they intermarried with the Jews, with the Israelites. Obviously, the Bible does teach us that there were some poor Israelites that were left in the land. Now, the king of Assyria repopulates Samaria with these various peoples of the nations from Assyria. You with me so far? 
we do know that there was some poor folk of Israel still in the land. So it is possible that they intermarried with these nations from Assyria. Therefore, the Samaritans, many teach, are half Jew and half Gentiles. And I don't dispute that. that that's a very strong possibility. But I, what I want you to see tonight is not just a statement from me, and that statement being the Samaritans are half Jews and half Gentiles. Okay? What I want you to see, the Samaritans were from the nations that Assyria had conquered that the king of Assyria used to repopulate the land. Okay? And it is possible that they did intermarry with the, with the Israelites of the land. Okay? All right. Now, then who are the Samaritans? Well, it tells you who they are. Verse 24. They're from Babylon. They're from Cathar. Uh, they're from Ava, from Hamath, from Seph Ervaim. Okay? These are who they are. It tells you who they are. Okay? So the Assyrian king repopulates Samaria with these people out of his empire. They're nations. They're Gentiles. They're heathen. And obviously the poor people are still in the land. Some of the Israelites are still in the land. Now what happened here? Well, I do believe that they mixed not just marital, but they mixed religion. Because you will remember the reason why that God has taken Israel, the ten tribes, into captivity was, was what? Because of the failure of true worship by the northern kingdom. They had idols everywhere. Idols in the high places. And they went in the high places and they mixed the worship of God with the, with the worship of Baal. And so God went and took that northern kingdom captive because of their worship in the high places. Idolatry. Now, you've got a failing or a fallen group of people still living in the land. And I'm talking about the Israelites. Now you have Assyrians, and I say Assyrians in the sense that the Assyrians have conquered these people in verse 24. Their religion is based on Syrian religion with a Syrian priest. And they worship idols. So we have the failure of the northern kingdom of Israel, some of those people still in the land, and then we have this pagan worship, Syrian worship, from the Gentiles, and they've come into the land, and the failure of the ten tribes and the Gentile heathen pagan worshipers of idols have come together in a mixture. And the mixture, as I said, is not just marital, if that can be proven. It is religiously. That's what's important to you. So that when you talk about a Samaritan in the Bible, you're talking about a mixture of religion that is the result of a failed church and paganism coming into that church. That's what you need to see. Okay? It, it, that's, much, that's a much greater problem 
than somebody marrying, you know, if you're a non-Jew, Gentile, marrying a Jew. It's a bigger problem than that. It's a mixture of the religions. Okay, now watch. Look at it. Look over a little further. And if I had, I'll read just a little bit longer. Verse 25. Now these people go in and repopulate the land of Israel as the king of Assyria is you know, repopulating the land. Uh, the Bible tells us, and so it was in verse 25, at the beginning of their dwelling there, that they feared not the Lord. Correct? So these Samaritans do not fear God. Scripture clear. Tells us here, uh, therefore the Lord sent lions among them which slew some of them. Wherefore they spake to the king of Assyria, saying, The nations which thou hast removed and placed in the cities of Samaria know not the manner of the God of the land. Therefore he has sent lions among them, and behold, they slay them because they know not the manner of the God of the land. Right? And make a long story short, the king of Assyria sends a priest. So that priest goes to Samaria and teaches those heathens, these Samaritans here that are now repopulated land of Samaria, teaches them how to fear the true God of Israel so that he would stop sending lions into their midst. Okay? So there's a priest that's allowed to go back and teach them. Now you can read all of this on your own. Now, but the Scripture tells us, if you'll look at verse 32, they feared the Lord and made unto themselves to the lowest of them priests of the high places, which sacrificed for them in the houses of the high places. Uh-oh. They feared God, but they continued with idolatry. They still worshiped in the high places. You understand that? Okay. Let's keep going. Am I boring you? Okay. All right. The Bible tells us then in verse 33, they feared the Lord and served their own gods. You see the mixture? Okay. After the manner of the nations whom they carried away from thence. And look at verse 41. So these nations feared the Lord and served their graven images, both their children and their children's children, as did their fathers. So do they unto this day. Okay, so the people that are in the land of Israel, when Israel returns back to the land, these Samaritans are going to be the adversaries to the people of God. Okay? And these people are a people who have mixture in religion. So when we see them then over in Ezra 4, these Samaritans, now you know who they are. Okay? This is why when they approach Zerubbabel and Jeshua, Joshua, and they say, we want to help you build the temple. Okay? And the Scripture tells us, uh, clearly they're adversaries. But look at what they say. We want to help you build the temple of the Lord God of Israel. And the Scripture says, uh, verse 2, let us build with you, for we what? Seek your God as you do. We're Christians just like you are. We seek your God just like you do. 
Has anybody ever told you we worship the same God you do? That's not true. See, these people claim to be seeking the same God, but we've already read to you in uh, 2 Kings 17 that they fear the Lord, but they have continued to worship their gods. So you might fear the one God of the Bible, but if you continue to worship false gods, then you don't worship the same God I do. And you don't worship the same God they do. Okay, so what we have here is we have people who are trying to look like a Christian. They come and talk like a Christian. They will say, we worship the same God you do. Okay? They're taking on an appearance. Now, the Scripture continues and tells us they uh, not only do they say, we seek the same God you do. Okay? And they say, we even sacrifice unto Him. And we've done that since the days of Esarhaddon, king of Assyria, which brought us up hither. That takes you back to 2 Kings 17. Okay. So here we go. <laughs> Y'all ready tonight? It's the same thing today. We got what is called ecumenicalism. We got churches all around they claim to be seekers of God. They claim to be worshiping the same God we do. They claim to be sacrificing to Him the same God that we sacrifice to. But they know not God. They are only religious in appearance. They're not a part of God's church. They're just churchy. And, and they may come to you uh, in the appearance of family members. And they absolutely, these family members absolutely have no form of holiness in their life whatsoever. But yet they go to a religious church in Odessa, Texas. Where that church doesn't preach the truth. It's a mixture of socialism and programs. It's, they don't worship, you understand? In a pure way. There's mixture in the house. But yet they'll come to you and tell you, we're Christians just like you are. We may not do it just exactly like you do it, but we're still Christians. We still worship the same God you do. Amen. Well, not my definition, but God's definition is to be a true worshiper of God, you've got to worship Him in spirit and in truth. If you don't have truth, you're not a worshiper, a true worshiper of God. If you don't have spirit, you're not a true worshiper of God. You've got to have spirit and you have to have truth to be a true worshiper of God. That's what Jesus said in John chapter 4. Okay? What you will see then as, and I do believe I'm preaching to a people who worship God in spirit and in truth. I do believe tonight that you are a part of the true church of Jesus Christ. Okay? Doctrinally and spiritually. 
and you seek to worship God in a pure religion. A pure form of religion. And as you do, and as we do, we're going to come across, we're literally going to have a face-to-face encounter with people who are an enemy of God, but yet claim to be Christians of that God, servants of that God. Are y'all here? And you have to have the ability to discern them when they come by. Because they're going to talk like I just said. We worship the same God. We serve the same God. We sacrifice to the same God. Amen. Wow. Let us participate in what you're doing, the building the church. And these two leaders, the leaders of Israel, said absolutely no to a brotherhood of religion or ecumenicalism. They, they took a stand against this impure religion or unpure religion that was trying to creep in at that time. You understand what I'm saying? So the enemy is going to come first friendly. You understand? He's going to claim to be a Christian. But do you have enough of God in you and do I have enough of God in me to take a stand when they do? Are you going to fall for the trap and fellowship with them as if they're true believers and you know they're not? You understand what I'm trying to say to you? This is the trick of the enemy. He tries to put on a friendly face. So when you first see him going down the road, you're going on your way to heaven. He's going this way, the opposite direction. You're going to meet him as you go opposite directions. Do you understand tonight that this church is going one way and there are churches in this city going another way? Let me put it to you that way. You understand that way? Okay. We, we know where we're going. We know what we believe. We are seeking a pure religion without mixture. We don't want paganism in this house in any form or fashion. And as you and I seek to worship God in that way, in a pure form of religion, you're going to be cross, you're going to go one direction and, and these other people are going to be going another direction. You're going to cross paths with them and you're going to see them face to face. And they're going to talk about, hey, brother. Hey, sister. Really? You're my brother? I am. If you're my brother, you're my sister. You're different from, from what I know. Are y'all here with me? But you're going you're gonna to cross paths. You're going to come face to face with churches, people in churches of this city. Let me put it to you this way. I ask God to put a, a guard at my mouth and some of you are not going to like what I'm about to say. But even people in Jesus' name churches, you're going one direction seeking to live a pure, unmixed way with the Lord. And you're going to come across even Jesus' name people. They're going to go a completely different direction. Now listen to me, that's fine. 
Maybe. I don't know. That's up to God. The problem with it is these people who go in, or go in the opposite direction when they cross paths with you are going to fight us. Okay? They're going to fight what we're doing. See, I want, it, I want to just kind of leave it alone and just kind of pick on the Baptists or the Church of Christ or the Catholics tonight. But I see, I can't just leave it with them because to be honest with you tonight, since we've been in Odessa, Texas 20 years, I haven't had any problems with the Baptists, the Catholic, the Church of Christ, the Presbyterians. The people we've had trouble with are people who claim to name the, Jesus, the name of Jesus in baptism. Amen? Amen? We're going one direction and they're going another direction. In what, in what area? Not in the way we baptize. Not in the way you receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. But the way you serve Him. The way you worship Him in spirit and in truth. You let them find out. You watch what I'm telling you. If you, if you want to know where they're coming from, let them find out what church you go to. They'll be talking to you. Be hey, brother, sit here. And all of a sudden, they find out you go here. Oh, something just comes on them. And then they, yeah, I, I don't know. I've had some some of y'all come and talk to me about some of the expressions they have about me. Oh, oh, you go to what's his name? What's that? What's that guy's name over there? Yeah, they know my name. And they know what we're about. And they know what we believe. Okay? Now, I have prayed over this service tonight. And I've asked God to help me. If I'm not supposed to say this, I, I don't believe God would let me say it. But this is real, my friend. Because, as I said, the people who have come against this work here, and this is the work of God, hasn't been the Baptists, the Church of Christ, the Catholics, and the Presbyterians. It's those who name the name of Jesus. Amen? But we're going a different direction than they are. Alright? Now, I'm going to let God judge that house. That's fine. Let God judge that house. But when you start trying to destroy this work here, that's when I'm going to stand up and say something. You understand? And I'm going to let the Lord fight my battles, but I'm in a, in a message tonight that there's some application I need to bring to you. Okay? I have not sought to destroy any other Jesus name church in Odessa, Texas. I have not tried to steal any of their sheep ever. I'm not trying to build a church off of their churches. Never have I done that. Okay? You understand what I'm saying? But there is an opposition. Sad to say, the opposition at this point against this work have been with people or from people who claim to baptize in Jesus' name and claim to have the Holy Ghost. How can you be a Christian? I ask you. How can you be a Christian pastor or a Christian in those churches and try to destroy another church in Odessa, Texas that has done you no harm? How can you be a Christian and do that? How could I be a Christian pastor 
try to destroy these other works or empty their churches, steal their sheep, constantly talk about the pastors there. How could I be a Christian pastor and do all of that? You understand what I'm saying to you tonight? Everybody awake? I, I, I highly doubt it. I just don't think you can be. I just don't think you can be. I'm sorry. I just don't think you can be. Okay? Anyway, y'all with me so far? At least you've heard. I'm not saying you have to believe what I'm saying. I'm just asking you to hear what I'm saying. Will you hear what I'm saying? Okay? Praise the Lord. Okay. So you're going you're gonna to be going one direction. We're going one direction as a church. And the direction we're going is out of this book, out of this Bible. And the way we worship God in spirit and truth, we're going to find it in the book. Now, I'm not going to ask how many of you have rubbed shoulders with other saints in other churches in Odessa, Texas. How many of you, they've come to and tried to pull you out of this church? Come and be a part of us. Man, we got it really happening over here. I've never done that to their people. Never. And I've always told you not to do that. As far as I'm concerned, they're not my friends. See, I know who my friends are. I know who my friends are. And they're not my friends. And they're not your friends. And I tell you, how can you be a true servant of God and participate in that kind of stuff? Amen? Yeah, yeah. Come on over here. Y'all can practice all the holidays you want to. We don't have a problem with that. You understand what I'm saying? I'll let God judge that. But I know what God has called us to do. And it's not to establish a social program. It's not. It's to establish a church that is pure and that is holy and the highest level. Now, some of you don't like this, but it's the truth. That's just the way it is. Okay? And you're going to come across them. And then you may come across some that have completely gone away from, you know, they still baptize you the same. They have the Holy Ghost. Or they, they claim they have the Holy Ghost. But they don't preach holiness anymore. Family members. Then you're going to walk right past them. They're going to go one, they're going one direction and you're going another direction. And, you, and they know it and you know it. And when you come across them, what I do is I just keep walking. Because I know what they're about. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. But they're family, Pastor. Yeah, right. But I know what they're about yes, spiritually. Right. That's right. If I say they're children, I say hello to them. But when it comes to the parent, I don't say nothing to them. Nothing. I have nothing to do with them. Why? Because they're going one direction, we're going another direction. We're coming face to face sometimes. And we have to know. We have to have enough of God and enough discernment to know do you understand? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what my wife said. We've got to take a stand. Because if you're an enemy of God, if you're an enemy of the Word of God, you're an enemy of me. And see, I believe you're an enemy of God if you're an enemy of His Word. If you don't preach the truth, if you compromise with the truth, if you compromise with the Word of God, that means you are an enemy of God. And if you're an enemy of God, you will be an enemy of me. And this is something when the devil came to the leadership of, of Israel 
and tried to get them to compromise. To lower the standard. Come on, let's all come together and just love each other. That's ecumenicalism. Let's lay down our doctrines. And let's compromise. And let's just get together. And Zerubbabel and Joshua said, Absolutely not. He says, You have nothing to do with this work. We will build the house of our God. And when they said it, they said it, it was almost rude. They didn't say it nicely. They said, you have absolutely nothing to do with what we're doing. We're not letting you in. We're not letting you participate. Why? Because you are doctrinally wrong. And we will not compromise. We will, I'll say it again, we will not compromise. And when the devil comes to you and tries to show you a friendly face, family members, other church people, whatever it is, you know, come on, let's lay down our doctrines. We're all Christians. We all worship the same God. No, you don't worship the same God that I worship. And we won't let you come in and help us do what we're doing because you're doctrinally wrong and we will not compromise. We can't. Yes, sir. Right. Amen. Amen. Somebody say praise the Lord. So get ready. You're going in one direction. If they're going the same direction you are, you have no problem. If they're not going the same direction you are, you're going to come face to face. Hallelujah. If you're not careful, if you start fellowshipping with the Samaritans, people who have mixture in them, that's the point. They have mixture in them. And they don't like you because you refuse to allow mixture in you. You refuse to mix paganism with the worship of God. And your refusal to mix with paganism and, and to have a mixture of religion in you. Are y'all with me? They're not going to And they want you to lay that down and all, you know, it's all fellowship. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? And I'm not talking about non-moral issues. I'm not talking about questions of conscience things. I'm talking about biblical things that are essential. For us to have a pure form of worship. Amen. 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 And then you come across these people, you can just, just say hello and keep walking because they're going one direction and you're going another. Does everybody understand? Yes, sir. If you don't, what's going to happen? And Joshua and Zerubbabel knew it. If they opened the door to these people who claim to be worshipers of the same God, who claim to sacrifice to the same God, basically claim to be Christians, they knew if they opened the door to these people that mixture would come into them. That they would become wrong doctrinally and they would be compromisers. And this is something that at this point, the leadership of this church is absolutely, totally not going to allow. 
because this is what caused them to be taken captive to begin with. And this leadership knows that compromise, this leadership knows that to allow mixture to come in, to allow sin to come into the church, they know that it will have devastating consequences. That sin is a destructive force and power. And if you let it put its foot in the door, it's going to try to crash the whole thing. You with me tonight? And so when these people, so-called friendly faces, come around you and they're not going the same direction you are, you better be careful. Because if you let them in your life and you fellowship with them, slowly, you will become just like them. Because you've stopped fighting. You've, you've stopped taking a stand. And you start picking up their spirits. And you start walking. And you start talking. And you start acting. Just like they do. And you, and you may not be able to discern it, but your pastor can. Many times when some of you are struggling in your walk with God, it's because of relationships that you've allowed in your life that are mixed. Compromisers. Doctoring wrong people. You understand? You allow them in your life, you should have taken a stand. You what Paul say? Follow me as I follow Christ. You want a fellowship with me? You want to be with me? Then you're going to have to walk the same direction I'm going. If you're not walking the same direction, you know, the pastor's fine. He's your pastor. You do whatever he tells you to do. But I'm going to tell you something. When they set themselves up as opposition against this work, this body, this church right here, they are wrong, period. Put a period on it. I don't care who they are. They're men. They're men. And when they oppose something that is rooted in the Word of God, based on the Word of God, because they're, they're really insecure. They're insecure. Then, you understand what I'm saying? They have set themselves up as an adversary against, not me or you, but something that the Lord set up. You understand what I'm trying to say to you tonight? Well, that's, well, let's just all get along. God didn't tell you that. God never in His Bible ever tells you, let's just all get along. For everybody to get just get along, that means you'd have to compromise and lay down doctrines and truth and, and become a religious brotherhood for everybody to get along. But I don't want to go to that church because that church is in war. You better believe it's in war. Any church that's standing for what is the truth and is uncompromising and seeks a pure religion, that church is going to be in warfare. You can't look at a church and say, well, it's just it's in warfare, so I don't want to be a part of it. Are you kidding me? In this chapter, we're going to see the church is in warfare and it's constant and it's perpetual. It never ceases. It never stops. It's ongoing. The devil is persistent. He doesn't quit. He's going to keep on coming. And if he doesn't get you one way, he's going to come another way. But he's never going to stop. And the only way to win this battle is for you to be persistent as a Christian. Because he never gives up. 
The devil never gives up. He's going to come and he's going to come and he's going to come and he's going to come. And if he can't get you with this tactic, he's going to get you with another tactic. And if he can't get you with that tactic, I promise you he will be persistent. It's going to be ongoing long term. And the only way to win this battle as a Christian is that you persevere to the end. That's the key to being victorious as a believer. Is that you persevere. Because the devil is going to persevere. He's going to come after us any possible way he can. And the first way he comes at these people who are seeking to establish pure worship and the building of the temple of the Lord is to disguise himself as a brother. Thank God for leadership who had enough discernment. You understand? So he comes that way. Y'all, I don't know if you're hearing me or not. And, and I'm really, I apologize to you. I'm really sorry tonight, to be honest with you. I'm really sorry that some of the adversaries that this that we have as a church have come from people who claim to preach the same thing we do. I'm sorry. That's a, that's a sad thing. But that's the truth. Amen. And, and, I, and what I'm saying is I'm saying out of a deep heart of concern. This is not because I'm trying to build something bigger than they have. I care less about that. Deep concern. You understand? It must be built on the word of the Lord. It must be pure. It must be holy. We're not going to be the biggest church in town. We won't be. Because we refuse to compromise. And if every time we try to win somebody to God, or you try to win somebody to God, you got some churches across town doing their very best to pull them out of this church. Are you kidding me? Oh, you're baptized in Jesus' name? You got the Holy Ghost over there? Oh, oh praise the Lord. We've been praying for you. God bless you. No, come on over here. I'm sorry. I apologize to you, church, tonight for even having to tell you that. You don't know how much that grieves me. But I'm telling you the truth. But I apologize to you. Because you have to hear it. And you know I normally don't go this way. How many times have you ever heard me go this way? So I apologize to you. But I'm just telling you, you're going one direction. I'm going one direction. Amen? And because we're going one direction, there's a lot of other people going a different direction. You're going to come face to face with them. And you just, you just can't compromise. You just can't do it. Don't care who they are. You understand? Yes, sir. So will you forgive me that I even have to talk like this? Breaks my heart. But for me as your pastor, I have to know who my enemies are. And I have to know who the enemies of this church are. 
And I know who they are. It's tested. It's proven what I'm saying. Okay? You understand? I haven't had any problem with Baptists. Since we started the church, nope, the Baptists haven't been my, my problem. Catholics have been my problem. Amen? Oh, no, no, no. They may in the future. All I know, friend, is this. Is that God told us to do this and He's told us to do it a certain way. And there's people in this city that don't like it. Okay? Alright, fine. You go your way, I'm going my way. <laughs> and I, I'm going to do everything I can. And I'm not going to compromise. I'm not going to compromise. Hallelujah! It's getting so bad. I want to be honest with you. It's getting so bad that there are, are people from other churches in this area that are driving to Odessa, Texas. And there's a church here in Odessa, Texas right now. These young people are driving from another city in this area to go to this church because there's a lot more young people there. And I'm, I know who the pastor is personally. And he's all tore up. Because his young people leaving one church, going over to this church here because it's got more people, you know, and they're getting hooked up, boyfriends and girlfriends over in this church, you know. There's no accountability. This pastor's been pastoring them, no telling how long. There's no accountability. The other church here in this city's not telling the pastor over here, you know, hey, your people showed up in my church last night. And this pastor, I'm talking about the same problem that I've got. This pastor's over here broken hearted. He's made contact with the pastor of this, of this church in this city and talked to him about this. You understand what I'm saying to you? Brother Evans was sharing, me, sharing with me. Okay, I don't know this pastor real well, but I know of him. Brother Evans is the one that told me about him. And I'm not going to repeat what Brother Evans told me. If I were to tell you what Brother Edmonds said about this pastor that I'm talking about in this city, it would shock you to hear what Brother Edmonds said about this pastor out of his mouth. Okay, so I'm just going to be truthful with you as a church. We got a huge problem in Odessa, Texas right now with a church and a pastor who thinks they are the only thing in town. And they have no problem picking the sheep off out of other churches. Not just this one, but other churches in this area. So when I talk to you, I apologize that you have to listen to me say it, but it's a reality. It's not just about us. Other people have problems with the same Thing. It's a miracle that we even have a church here. Well, Pastor, why, why can't we fellowship? Go over and fellowship with all these churches. I don't trust them as far as I can throw them across the street. That's sad, isn't it? 
you got pastors. See, and this this is not just a, in this area, but there's you, you, there's a big church in Dallas, Texas, and everybody gets excited about the Potter's House in Dallas, Texas. You know, you know how many churches have been emptied by that ministry? Emptied. There's a guy that did some work at our house long ago, not the one I live in, another house I live in. He was talking about some churches there in, in Dallas, Texas. This this Potter's House ministry, how many people they've emptied those churches. These people are going over to the Potter's House now, you know. It's a big ecumenical church. Emptied. How many churches in Dallas? So they could have 20,000, 30,000 people. Now, there's something not right about that approach. We're supposed to be evangelizing the lost. We're supposed to be winning the lost to Christ. Amen? We're not supposed to be stealing each other's sheep and feeding off each other's sheep, man. And I'm not jealous. It's not about that. It's not about being jealous. It's about being right. So I'm just going to be honest with your pastor. Forgive me. We have a big problem in Odessa. Huge. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You with me tonight? Yes, sir. I went to a different, not the one this, that we're making reference to about Brother Edmonds, about this situation. Brother Edmonds tell us talking about this one particular pastor in the church in Odessa, but there's another pastor in town, different church. I went to him with tears in my eyes. I sat down with him. And I said, I got a question for you. I said, if every time I correct a saint in the church and they get disgruntled with me and they run over to your house, how in the world can you or I pastor anybody? Because as soon as you correct somebody, they're going to run over to my church and I, they know I'm not going to let them. But my point is this, if I approached it like you approach it, that every time I correct somebody, you just receive them with open arms. You know, because Brother Carter, he's crazy anyway. Okay? So I just, you know, we'll receive you. We're going to help you. Thank God you're over here at our church because that guy's crazy anyway. I'm not kidding you. I'm telling you the truth. And I told this man, I said, how in the world can I pastor anybody or you ever pastor anybody? Is that every time you correct somebody, they run to my house. And every time I correct somebody, they run from my house to your house. And you're like this. That's not Bible. So how, do you, how can you and I ever pastor sheep? We have a bunch of goats on our hand, not sheep. Tears running down my face. Sister that used to go to this church. I love her. She's... she's Oh, I don't know. Anyway, she told me, yeah, that pastor thinks you're crazy, Brother Carter. Thinks you're crazy. Maybe it's true, maybe it's not. I don't know. But I kind of believe that, that it's the truth. Sorry to tell you. That's the way it is in Odessa. We try to mind our own business. We try to do the work of the Lord. Yes, sir. Yes, okay? sir. Yes, sir. Try not to get involved with everybody and everything else that's going on. We don't care about that. We're trying to do a work for the Lord that's here. Right. Amen. Okay? Yes, sir. Forgive me 
for even mentioning it to you. So, I've, I've told you this before. Any of you don't like this church, you don't like your pastor, I promise you, you have no worries. None. If every one of you tonight were to get up and walk out of this church, you would be received with open arms. No questions asked. Other than, other than, tell us what he did to you. What he did to you. Yeah, we've heard about what he did to this one. Oh, really? Okay. You've heard about it, right? Well, we met up with a one of those pastor's wives in the store one day, and she started throwing all kinds of stuff at us. And I said, I want to tell you something. What you're saying is absolutely in error. Everything you're saying is complete and total error. You've been lied to. I said, now let me tell you the truth. I'm going to tell you the truth about the person who lied about us. I'm going to tell you the truth about him. And I didn't back down, boy. I was on fire in that store. And I told, I told that pastor's wife just exactly the lies of a saint that used to be in this church. Lies. Okay? And that pastor's wife, she, she, she come up and got in my, my wife's, you know, basically her face. And started accusing my wife, talking to my wife about the situation. And I just happened to walk around the corner and seeing her going at my wife. And so I stepped in. And I said, I'm going to tell you the truth. And I didn't back down. You open the door for me to tell you the truth, and I'm not just going to tell you the truth about this one. I'm going to tell you the truth about this one. And then I'm going to tell you the truth about this one. And by the way, I'm going to tell you about the possibility of another one that may come and sit on your front door before they ever do. So I said, if they do, look for them. I'm going to describe them. I'm going to tell, them what, tell you what they look like. I'm going to tell you the name. They'll probably be over there too. I told them that. I have never set myself up to be an enemy to any of these people. They have set themselves up to be an enemy of me. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? You don't have to believe me. I apologize for having even tell you these things. It hasn't been easy to, to have a church in Odessa. It's just been the awesome goodness of God that has allowed us to have anything. You know? But, I, but I'm telling the truth. Tonight, if every one of you got mad at me and went off and wanted to go, come on in, yeah. We sure are glad that you finally figured it out. Man, I don't see how you stayed there that long. Sure, I'm glad you figured it out. Come on in. Thank God. They're going one direction. I'm going another direction. And they're not my friends. They're not my friends. They're not. Isn't that sad? That I got to get up here and and tell you all these things. You think that you think that uh, solidifies me with you? That's not the whole point. That, that that that's not the point at all. I didn't. I don't think this solidifies me with you. I'm just telling you the truth. There's a place waiting for every one of you in Odessa, Texas. Every one of you. 
And what I've seen most of the time, as soon as you leave here, they, you go there, you'll be on the platform within two weeks. That is one reason why I am not in that organization. I've been around it. I've been around this thing for 30 something years. I know what I'm talking about. And, I'm, and not everybody that's in it is like that. Thank God. But the ones that are in this city are. They're about Okay, you with me here? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And I'm not the only one that's upset about the situation. You hardly ever hear me even talk about it. You don't hear my frustrations because I don't tell you. But I'm not the only one. There's a man in Lubbock, Texas today that's upset about it. Accountability. It would scare me half to death if a bunch of young people from another church showed up and I know, you can tell if they're Pentecostal, you don't. Are you Pentecostal? You kind of look like it. You don't wear makeup. You have long hair. You girl, you're wearing a dress. Are you a Pentecostal from another church? It would scare me half death if a bunch of them showed up over here and I didn't have, hey, what are you doing here? Where, where you come from? What church? Who's your pastor? I didn't handle it that way. It scared me to half to death. I wouldn't know what I was getting in here, man. I'd have to find out, hey, what are you doing here tonight? A lot of times I don't have to do that. I just preach the Word of God. and That's all I do. I just pre get up and preach the Word of God for about an hour, you know. And, and if they, okay, they might come back two or three times, but... After about the third time, we don't see them anymore. So normally I don't have to go to them and say, hey, where are you from? You know what I mean? After about the second or third time of hearing me preach, they say, let me go back. Thank God. Hallelujah. You know what I'm saying? So normally the Word of God takes care of any of that stuff. If they do come, and most of the time my reputation keeps them from ever stepping foot in the front of this, into this church, man, by reputation. Amen. That they have created. Yeah. And some of it may be true. Because I'm seeking to walk the line. Okay? Amen. I really am. Amen. Amen. And we're going to see it in the chapter now. We're going to see it in the chapter. We're going to see the adversary at work. Okay. He disguises him as an angel of light, himself as an angel of light. Don't be surprised if you're going one direction, if he don't meet you on the highway because he's going the opposite direction you are. And he's going to come and he's going to act like a friend. How you doing, man? It's so good to see you, brother. Shut up, man. You know you don't like me and you know I don't like you. Shut up. And I play this game. It's so good to see you, Brother Carter. You shut up. You hate my guts. You know what I mean? Yes, sir. I don't play the game. I'll play the game. 
Hello, Brooke. How you doing? Oh, not too good since I heard about what you said about me a few weeks ago. Uh -huh. What? 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 Yeah. Say <laughs> praise the Lord, church. Christina, you know how sweet my wife is. How many of y'all know how sweet my wife is? You know, she wouldn't lie. She wouldn't lie if her life depended on it. And, and I'm going to ask my wife before you if what I'm saying is the truth or not. If, if, if it's not truth, if what I'm saying is not the truth, she's not going to lift her hand. And I'll accept it. But if what I'm telling you is the truth, I want my wife to lift her hand. Is that the truth, what I've told them tonight? You know how she is. She wouldn't hurt a fly. I told you, but the dice called me and tried to get me to get back in the organization again. You know who my, You know who it was? They were saying, "We can't do that. We can't do that." Sweet little sister Christina. We can't do that, Jerry. Do you know? Do you know there have been books that have been written uncovering. Sad to say, Jesus' name, Pentecostal organization. It's called Christ Without the Cross. And I haven't, I haven't ordered the book, and I haven't got the book, and I don't even really want to read the book because I don't want to fill my mind with a bunch of smut. But you talk about a system of religion, Christ Without the Cross. Talking about a whole organization, man. Jesus' name. You hear what your pastor's telling you tonight? How can you be a Christian and do what they do? How? Well, you got you're baptized, you stand got the Holy Ghost, well good for you, but that don't make you a Christian. You, you got to have some morality about you. You have to have some ethics about you. You understand? You you have to you have to handle situations and deal with situations as a Christian morally. You can't you can't let people come and lie on another pastor in the city and you not pick up the phone and find out if it's true. You're kidding me. Okay, I'm sorry. But I'm not. All right. So for the two or three that'll be back Sunday, <laughs> we'll have church. <laughs> but I just, I just be honest with you, man. I was, I was brought up in one of these churches, and when I was brought up in those churches, they would never tolerate feeding off of other churches. Because they were having a problem with getting fed off themselves. <laughs> they wouldn't tolerate it. But now it's totally different now. As long as they're the beneficiary, it's all right as long as they're the beneficiary. But when they weren't the beneficiary and people were running off and leaving their church and going to another church in town, boy, they hated that because I was in that church. I know what I'm talking about. But as long as they're the beneficiary. How can you be a Christian 
I don't know. When I leave tonight, the Lord may, may, may say, I'm done with you. He may do that. Not because of what I'm telling you is, is not the truth, but maybe I'm not supposed to tell you things like this. I don't know. Yeah, I'm supposed to just keep, keep you blind. I don't know. I feel real bad about having to tell you these things. But everybody that walks up to you and claims to be a Christian, claims to be worshiping the God you do, claims to be sacrificing to the same God, they're not going the same direction you are. We are called as a church to be people of pure religion. Uncompromising. Doctrinally and morally. Can't do it. Doctors have more ethics than some of these preachers do. You leave one doctor, you go to another doctor. Who's been seeing you? Dr. So-and-so. Oh. Make sure they handle that right. I'm going to be I'm going to tell you the truth. My wife knows me. If I'm not telling the truth, she'll tell you. My wife knows you. Okay? But the reason why I do not lower myself to those kinds of things is because I fear my God. I don't, please don't. I appreciate you, but I don't want you to clap for me. I'm just telling you the truth. I fear my God. To go to another saint in somebody else's church and, and ask them to come to this one, even, even to come to a family night, I wouldn't even do that. No way. To have them come in right out of the, the front door of a church in the back door of this church and not ever even question them, you know? It's one thing if, if you were backslid in the world and, and God restored you through this work. That's one thing. But to leave one church and walk through the doors of another church and there'll be no accountability, that scares me to death. I just wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do it because I fear God too much. Man, it scares me to death to do what they're doing. You know, uh, sometimes when I pastor you, I, I do have to be real hard, tough, strong. Yeah. Honestly. Sometimes because of this type of adversity, this is the biggest one. It really is. People that claim to be the worshipers of the same God and sacrifice to the same God go in different directions. No, can't. I'm sorry. Number one, I'm not going to get involved with what you're doing because I don't want to mess up what you're doing. Okay, I'm, I'm not going to do that. Get the message. But don't get involved in what I'm trying to do. You're going to mess up what I'm trying to do. It's just different. It's autonomy. It's different. We're going a different direction you are. 
You understand what I'm saying? Come on, I'm not dumb. I tried when we first started to work here. I tried to go to a conference one time, and uh, you know we gave an offering toward the conference out of our heart, not because we're trying to get a position or anything. And we gave an offering to that conference, and because of that, they asked us to come and sit on the platform. We went and sat on the platform one night, having a good time in the Lord. The next night, I'm not dumb. There was no room for me up there. No problem. I sit right down there. I don't have a problem sitting down on a pew. Amen? You hear that? Who cares? Who cares? Here went back again. I have a little bit of discernment about me. See, there's some people, they're so dumb, they don't know when they're not wanted. You know what I'm saying? Hey, here I am, Brother Carter. How you? you know, show up at every conference they have. You'd be, you know how dumb I would be to show up to every conference? I don't fit. Amen? How do you know you don't fit? How many people that are used to be in this church are over there and never got a call from any of the leadership? And you tell me I'm going to fit... I'm going to walk in there and I'm going to see brother and sister so-and-so used to be in this church and I fit there? I'm not stupid. There one guy, there's some people, man, they'll go to every conference. They're not even in the organization, man. They go to every conference the organization puts on and they're not even in the organization. I just think to myself, hey, you're stupid as you can be. That's for people that belong to that organization. And they'll tell you, no, it's for everybody. Yeah, right, 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 right. It's for everybody, you know, so they can do their best to try to get you in there. And if you're not going to be a part of that, then you know what I mean? I know how it works. Brother Edmonds knows how it works. You understand what I'm saying? Go in a different direction. Tried to force Brother Edmonds to go to China. Brother Edmonds said, I'm not going to China. God called me to Taiwan. You're going to China. Brother Edmonds. No, I'm not. I'm going to stay in Taiwan. God called me to Taiwan. You're going to China, Brother Edmonds. Brother Edmonds pulled out his card and threw it on the table. Because I've never heard of anything like that. That a man would go somewhere that God hadn't called him or sent him to. Never heard anything. He said, I've never heard anything like that before. He walked out of it. Praise the Lord, church. When men get a hold of things that once were God, 
you listen to your pastor, you, just listen to me. I'm not asking you to believe what I'm saying. You believe what you want to believe. But I'm asking you to hear me. Those old books, when I was coming up in the organization, I was getting my license, and you had to read a certain amount of books to get a local license, then read a certain amount of books to get a general license, read a certain amount of books to get ordination, and so on and so forth. You had to preach a certain amount of time. Those old books that I used to read, some of them were Pentecostal history books. The history of Pentecost, going back to Azusa Street and so on and so forth. Some of those real men of God used to stand up and they would warn about making a denomination out of this truth. They warned. They warned. Warnings from God, don't do it. Why? Why would they do that? Because when men put their hands on anything, they're going to corrupt it. They're going to corrupt it. Those old preachers that had the revelation of Jesus' name, baptism, and the oneness of God in those early Pentecostal days warned about making a denomination out of it. They know. They knew what would happen. Men get a hold of it. Men. Now we come. Beyond lies and falsehood, now we see the enemy using force and power against the church. Force and power. They've got a legal document in hand and they can use force and power against the church. Then cease the work of the house of God which is at Jerusalem so it ceased unto the second year of the reign of Darius king of Persia this is not the Darius in the book of Daniel this is the Darius king of Persia different one for 15 long years all the way to the second year of this king the temple was stopped in its building But it's only temporary. You still got a king, governor, Zerubbabel, you got a priest. You feel discouraged? You feel like it's all in vain? 15 years. But the Lord says, it's not over. You hear it with me? The devil succeeded. He succeeded. But God said it's only temporary success. The king says shut it down. God says I have the last word. God always has the last word. And the Bible says when it comes time there's two prophets. Haggai in Zechariah, verse 1 of chapter 5, and I close. Then the prophets Haggai and the prophet Zechariah, the son of Iddo, prophesied unto the Jews that were in Judah and Jerusalem in the name of God of Israel, even unto them. At this point, I'll preach it to you next week, Lord willing, through the, through the ministry of these prophets, the people encouraged to resume the building of the temple after 15 years. 
and they proved to the king, Darius, that the building must be done because we have a decree. And Darius didn't know anything about the decree. And they searched for the decree and they find out Cyrus wrote a decree that this would be built and it hadn't been built. They get the decree of the king and Darius says, get to it. Fulfill the word of the king. Persevere. Persevere. I'm going to keep persevering. By the grace of God, I'm going to keep persevering. And when you're going through all kinds of things and the enemy is shutting you down, shutting you down, If you don't persevere, He wins. If you persevere, God will have the last word. And the work, the work will resume. Okay? So God bless your heart. Going back to the beginning of the service, if all of you leave, guess what? I'm still going to be here. I made up my mind. I made up my mind. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. You know, some of you start looking really strange to me and I don't even know where your mind is. Hallelujah. But... That's okay. I do know one thing. We're in the book. And I don't give up on you. You know why I don't give up on you? Because I know you're attacked and, and the enemy comes against you just like he does me. And sometimes I'm going to call you and I'm going to warn you and I'm going to talk to you and I'm going to say, hey, this is going on in your life. Don't be offended by that. Okay? Because the enemy uses all those same tricks against all of us, including me. Hallelujah. I'm thankful tonight for the Word of the Lord. So be encouraged. I'm encouraged. I have hope in my God. Let's stand. Praise the Lord. Anybody know what time it is? I don't know what time it is. It might even be 11 o'clock. What time? 9.47? Well, that's early. What did I get in a hurry for? I thought it was almost 11 o'clock. Praise the Lord. Aren't you glad I got in a hurry? You see how many verses I didn't even read? Didn't even read them to you. Did I? Didn't even read them to you. Y'all want me to? <laughs> you want me to reread them to you and preach them to you? Nah, I'm not going to do that. God's good. I feel encouraged tonight. One thing I can tell you, okay? You don't have to believe me. I'm just asking you to hear me. I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be that crazy. I've been accused of being crazy, but... I wouldn't be that crazy to ask you to believe what I'm saying. I'm just asking you to hear what I'm saying. There are times when I felt the awesome presence of God upon me tonight. I haven't felt Him that way in a long time. He loves you. He loves this church. And no matter what you're going through right now, you keep persevering. You keep living for God. You are doing, you are doing what's right. Okay? And you are setting a high standard of pure worship in your life. And that's pleasing to the Lord. Amen. So if the enemy comes and tries to put it to a stop in your life individually, you just keep on going. Because God's got a great future for you. You've got a great plan. He's going to finish the work he's begun. He's going to finish the work. God bless you. Your pastor loves you. Praise the Lord. Don't let anybody, don't let any of these sheep stealers come and steal you out of this church. You hear what I'm saying? 
Don't you dare let any of them sheep stealers steal you out of this church. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. That's what they are. They're sheep stealers. You know? Steal my sheep. They're not my sheep. They're God's sheep. But you, I have, I have to watch over you. Amen? I am jealous over you with a godly jealousy. Don't take anybody out of this church. Don't steal any of these sheep. You can have loss. <laughs> they come after anybody else, I'm going to write them a letter and I'm going to say, I got one, I'll give you. <laughs> you give them back, I'll give you him. Hallelujah. We'll just do a swap. We'll trade. Is that all right? And then boss will say, well, what about my wife? No, she's staying here. Yeah, 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 I'm just joking. I love you. I love lost too. I love lost too. Amen. All right, y'all, praise the Lord. So when you're serving God, you just got to keep persevering. That's what I love about this church. You've been through a lot, but you keep on doing bus ministry. You keep teaching Sunday school. You keep all these things, no matter what you've gone through, you stay faithful to the Lord. God's going to honor that. I love every one of you. Praise the Lord. Let me pray a quick prayer over you, Father. In the name of Jesus right now, bless your people as they go forth, go home. I thank you, Lord God, for them. I thank you for what you're doing in this church, what you're going to do. And I give you all glory, honor, and praise. Thank you, Lord, for showing us, revealing to us truth that we might be a balanced people, a balanced Christian, understanding the sovereignty of God, but also understanding that the enemy can be successful, but only temporarily. In the name of Jesus, he's only temporarily successful. And I give you glory, honor, and praise. You are the King of kings and Lord of lords. You are my priest and you are my king. Be over my head and govern my heart and this people. In Jesus' name. God bless you. You're dismissed. I love you. Every time men get a hold of it, they're going to destroy it. You see what I'm saying? Okay. Woo! Man. Well, I'll tell you what you do. You get this message that I preached tonight and send it to them. Just go ahead and send it to them. Just go ahead and get it. Hallelujah. I, I'm not talking behind anybody's back. I might just get it and send it to them myself. No, I mean, I'm serious. So you send it to him, fine. Do it. I have anything to hide. I'll, I'll give you free coffee. You don't even have to buy it. I'll give you free coffee. You can go hand deliver it if you want to. You know, and if you don't do that, when you leave here, or some of you leave here and you go over to start going over there, then you can tell them everything I said. Hallelujah. And then, and then you call me up and say, Pastor, can I have a copy of that message? I say, sure you can. I'm going to sign it. Put my name on it. Send it to you. Amen. Love you too. Amen. <laughs> so really, all I know is just tell you the truth and then laugh about it. This is hilarious, man. Isn't it? So hilarious. I got a family here in the church just recently. Taught a Bible study to somebody. We baptized them in Jesus' name. And next thing I knew, one of the local churches had their hands around their neck. 
just like that. How quick. I know where they are. Okay? Sorry. I'm sorry. If nothing else, there's some things that are done that are the tactics of the enemy. You don't you don't do it. You don't use them. Those are those are the ways of the flesh, their will worship, their they're the tactics that the, the world uses to grow. You don't use the tactics the world uses to grow. It has to be according to the Word of God. When you preach, it has to be according to the oracles of God. I'm limited, church. I'm limited as a man, as a pastor, by the oracles of God. Start resorting to the tactics of men, the world, or the enemy. Try to grow a church. Okay, fine, I'll let God determine who goes to heaven. Now, I'm not talking about who's going to heaven and who's not. I'm just saying there's some things that are not right. And God help me tonight, the things that are in me that are wrong. That if there be any wicked way in me, O Lord, reveal any wicked way in me, O Lord. Let me not be a hypocrite tonight when I stand up here and preach to you. Let me not do the same things. You understand? Get rid of the stuff out of me, God, because there's stuff in me too that's worthy to be judged. I don't set myself up as a judge, okay? I know. Just trying to be honest with you. Where the battle is, where the battle is for this church, I just told you. When you talk about religion, I've been honest with you to show you what is going on in this city. Okay? That's where the battle is. Amen. Let me get back to the text. Zerubbabel and Jeshua and the rest of the chief of the fathers of Israel said unto them, You have nothing to do with us to build a house under our God. But we ourselves together will build unto the Lord God of Israel as King Cyrus, the king of Persia, hath commanded us. The reason why we're doing this is because the king commanded us to do it. We, we haven't come here on our own, doing our own thing, out of order. The king told us to do this. The king gave the decree. And we've come here and we know how dangerous it is to go away from pure worship. We know how dangerous it is to allow compromise and false doctrine and sin to creep into what we're doing. We know how dangerous it is. We learn from our captivity. We, will, we don't want to be captive anymore because of our mixture. The paganism. We don't want it. And we're not, allow, we're not about to allow it to come in 
and said among us, we're not about to let it join us. What you're going to see is that whatever is an adversary to God, you must reject it. Jeshua and Zerubbabel, when the enemy of God coming with the face of a, of a friend, disguising itself as an angel of light, the devil, coming religious talk, talking, trying to appear to be like them. The leadership said, you can't join. We reject it outright. We can't accept it. Because it's mixture. So what it teaches us here is number one, the way the enemy is first going to come, he's going to come as a friend. He's going to come as a family member. He's going to come as a church person. It's going the opposite direction you are. And the leadership said, we can't join. We have to take a stand. And you say, well, it seemed like they could have been nicer about it. But they said, you have nothing to do with this. Nothing. We're not going to let your Syrian worship creep into this with the Syrian priesthood with a mixture of paganism. And you say you fear God, but I know 2 Kings 17 says you still worship your idols. I know 2 Kings 17 says even though you fear God, you're still setting up the high places. It's not a pure form of worship. And because of that, we can't allow it. Well, tonight, church, how many of you have seen the enemy and oftentimes it's us. You will come face to face with him because you're going opposite directions. Have you ever seen the devil? If you've never seen the devil, that ought to scare you. Because he's going one direction and you're going another direction. If you haven't seen him face to face, that scares me. They saw the devil in his servants. They saw the devil in the people's face that were trying to act like they were friendly and act like they worshiped the same God you do. And so on and so forth. They saw the devil standing in front of them in religious form as an angel of light. They took a stand instantly. Now what, what, what happens? Okay. That friendship turned to hostility. Out and out hostility. So the devil can't get you by coming to you as a friend then he'll turn on you with a different tactic. But remember this, he never quits. He perseveres. Okay? 
He didn't get you with religion, brother. He didn't get you with religion, sister. He almost did. You almost fell for the lie when you saw how rosy and pretty it was and all the programs and everything, how big it was. and whew, This really must be God. Look, this feels so good. Feels so good. He almost got you. But for the grace of God stepping in and showing you, because you have the Holy Ghost, showing you that harlot riding on the back of a scarlet color beast that's in the wilderness. And only people who have the Holy Ghost have discernment between the two, the bride and the harlot. It almost got you. Almost got me. Okay. I told them no. What's the next step then? Leadership saying no to them. Verse 4, Then the people of the land weakened the hands of the people of Judah and troubled them in building. How? How'd they do it now? Hired counselors. Against them to frustrate their purpose. Hired counselors against them to frustrate their purpose. So what the devil does now is, okay. It's hostility. He's going to attack you in your mind with counsel. False counsel is going to come to you. And he's going to, it's going to come from his, his servants. Be careful about the counsel you hear. What counsel are you getting? He didn't get you with religion, but he's going to get you with, he's going to get you in your mind. Say the mind. They hired counselors. And those counselors kept on counseling. They kept on talking to them. Listen, it wasn't just a one-time thing. They kept talking and kept with their mouth. Talking and talking. It's a voice-activated kingdom we're in. And the enemy knows that. So he sends voices in your head. And they talk and they talk and they talk and they talk until they wear you down. And they don't give up. They persevere. If they can't get you by being religious, then they're going to come with counsel in your head. Okay? And they're going to keep talking and keep talking and keep talking and keep talking until you get to see. Until they wear you completely out in your mind. You ever notice something? You have a tremendous victory in God, you know, tremendous victory, victorious service, and then the next day, bad news. The next day, some counsel, some word comes to you. And what does it do? It brings you down. Amen. Where'd it come from? The enemy knew all he had to do is bring that little bit of information to you. Is it? Then you'd be in turmoil in your mind for the next three or four days. Weaken the hands of the work of God, frustrating the people with the advice He's given them. The words, the counsel.
He's sharing. You awake tonight? Attack the mind. He hired counselors against them to frustrate their purpose all the days of Cyrus, king of Persia. Look at this, Cyrus. Even until the reign of Darius, king of Persia. You know, he gives you... Really, see, I wasted so much time talking about all that mess. Wasted so much time. Look at this ongoing thing. It's perpetual. That's what you need to understand about the devil. He never quits. He perseveres. It's perpetual. It's not just during Cyrus' reign. It goes all the way to Darius. Do you realize it's 15 years the temple work is fixing to be stopped and it will be stopped for 15 long years. And it will not be until Darius that they're able to start the work up again. 15 years later. And all during that 15 years, one counselor after another. Frustrating the people of God. One advice, one word. Constantly attacking them with words. They imitate being a brother. Oh, now, isn't that interesting? Now, the ones who imitated being a brother now are speaking against it. How are they trying to defeat the work? With words. Psychological warfare. Words. And it wasn't just one king's reign. Darius. Fifteen years later, he's the one that said, start building again. Fifteen years. Listening to the counsels of the enemy. Words. Attacking the mind. He doesn't give up. He didn't get you with religion. Thank God you escaped from that harlot. You came out from her so you could establish a pure worship in your life. He didn't get you with that. He tried to. But now He's attacking you. And since you got in the church and you started trying to do the work of God, you've heard nothing but assault against your mind. And you thought it'd be over in a month. But it's not going to be over in a month. It's going to go through many kings. Many years of assault against your mind. Speaking words. The perseverance of Satan. The perseverance of the prince of darkness. He doesn't quit. He comes against you, persecuting you, lying to you, talking to you. Amen. There are many kings... Verse 6, And in the reign of Ahasuerus, the beginning of his reign, wrote they unto him an accusation against the inhabitants of Judah and Jerusalem. Now this Ahasuerus, so you'll understand where we are, Cyrus gave the decree for them to go back and build the temple, right? The adversaries are trying to shut it down, right? Trying to establish a religious brotherhood. They said no to that. Now, through counsel, through words, right? Ahasuerus... Cyrus now is fixing to go off the scene. His son, Cambyses, called Ahasuerus, Cambyses is going to take his place. And Cambyses is going to be the one that will stop the work on the temple. Okay? 
So we've got, they were talking in the reign of Cyrus. They were talking in the reign of Cambyses. They were talking all the way to Darius until Darius gave the decree to allow him to start building the temple again 15 years later. Talk, 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 talk. Assault against the mind. Talk, 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 talk. Assault against the mind. It comes from all directions, church. It comes through television. It comes through movies. It comes through the radio. It comes through billboards. It comes through magazines. It comes through the world. It comes with its message. It comes with its ideology. It's constantly coming against the church. Constantly! It's preaching all the time to us. The ways of the world. To me too, not just you, but to me. I'm in the church. You hear it? Long-term warfare. Perseverance. The enemy doesn't give up. He doesn't quit. Cyrus, Darius, Ahasuerus, Cambyses, this is the son of Cyrus. He's going to stop the work. The Bible says in the, in the reign of Ahasuerus, in the beginning of his reign, wrote they unto him, accusation against the inhabitants of Judah and Jerusalem. Now we move to the next step. Accusation. The devil is an accuser of the brethren. Right? He's an accuser of the brethren. He accuses you before the throne of God day and night. He never quits. Perseverance. He's a slanderer. That's why he's called the devil. He's a slanderer. He comes to you and slanders God to you. He lies about God to you. And then he lies about you to God. No wonder he's called always slandering. You gotta be careful. The devil comes to you and start accusing God, failing you, not loving you. Accusations. Verse 7. And in the days of Artaxerxes, now you know who has yours? Has yours is Xerxes. He's the ruler over in, es, in Esther's day. Esther's day. Artaxerxes is Cambyses. Oh, do you see that? Okay, I'm glad I caught that. God is showing you the warfare reaches all the way to Xerxes' days. The king who reigned in the book of Esther. What God is showing you is the perseverance. That is amazing to me. The perseverance of the enemy. Not just during the days of Cyrus. Not just during the days of Cambyses, his son. Not just during the days of Darius. But all the way to the days of the king Xerxes who ruled in Esther. Esther's. 
multiple kings, ongoing perpetual warfare from the enemy, persevering, never stopping. You understand? You think, well, you know, maybe someday it'll let up. Maybe someday the warfare will let up. No, it won't. Because we're seeing in the Word of God, it never lets up. It never lets up. If we're not careful as Christians, see, we want to run from conflict. We want to run from warfare. We don't want any warfare in our life, any conflict in our lives. But what the Bible's teaching you is the devil is going to come against you and it's perpetual. Perpetual. And you can't run from it. You can't run from it. Well, I think I'll just run over to another town and start in... No, 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 no. You can't. That's not the answer. It's stay where God called you and build what God told you to build. The answer is not a geographical relocation. So he's showing us through many kings this warfare. In the, in the days of Artaxerxes, this is Cambyses. Now we come to falsehood. Out and out lies. Okay? Say lies. Falsehood. In the days of Artaxerxes wrote Bishlim, Mithradath, Adil, the rest of their companions unto Artaxerxes, king of Persia, and the writing of the letter was written in the Syrian tongue and interpreted in the Syrian tongue. Now Artaxerxes is the title. His name is Cambyses in history. The son of Cyrus. This is what is going to stop the work. The adversary tried to disguise himself as an angel of light to be a friend, to join. The people of God said no. The adversary tried with words and counsels and advisors, accusations to stop the work. Now, listen to me carefully. The enemy is going to succeed. There are times the enemy is going to persevere. He's going to use one tactic after another tactic after another tactic. And there will be times when Satan will be successful. Even though the Lord is sovereign on His throne. Jesus said, as long as you're in this world, you will have tribulation. There will be times that the enemy will succeed. It will only be temporary, but he will succeed. Okay. And the way he accomplishes it is lies or falsehood. We have the people of this so-called neighbors, okay? Same people. They're trying to stop the work of God. They put together a letter. Oh, it's got the mark of officiality. If that's a word, officiality. 
It's got official look. There's nine provinces that are connected to it. Count them, read them later. Count them, nine provinces. you got a scribe involved. It's written in the, the Syrian tongue. I mean, it's, a, it's an official doctrine. It looks official. you know, With officials doing the work of it. They wrote it up. And they're going to send this letter to Cambyses. The scripture calls him Artaxerxes. Okay. The letter was written in the Syrian tongue, interpreted in the Syrian tongue, and Rehum, the, the chancellor, wow, the chancellor, in Shimshai, or Shimshai, the scribe, look at it. That means officials, chancellor, and a scribe involved with the writing of it. Going to sound like you were reading some kind of legal document written in the Syrian tongue and interpreted in the Syrian tongue. You ever read legal documents? It basically looks like it's written in the Syrian tongue and interpreted in the Syrian tongue. <laughs> but it's got that got that flavor of being official, you know. Got to have somebody explain it to you. But it's official. Chancellor and scribe, Shimshay and what's that other guy? Rehum. Rehum. You need to name your children that. Rehum. Some of y'all are going to have a child. I tell you, just name him Rehum. Rehum. If you don't like Rehum, call him Shimshay. Rehum is a chancellor. Yeah, they ask you, who's that? He's a chancellor in the Bible. Chancellor for who? Hell. When they named children in the Bible, they named when they were, you know, maybe two or three years old. They watched their character, and then after they saw the, what kind of person they were, then they gave them the name. That, you see the character of that child, and say, yeah, you're, you're perfect for this. You're Rehu, Chancellor from hell. <laughs> Shimshay. Scribe wrote a letter against Jerusalem to Artaxerxes the king in his in this sort. Then wrote Rehum, his chancellor, and Shimshek, the scribe, and the rest of their companions, and gives you nine different ones. Nine different provinces. Now, are y'all here with me so far? And I'm almost done. I, I appreciate you staying with me tonight. But you see, if you will remember, all these people have been in the land a lot longer than this new group that has just showed back up. That's a, no, that's, that's, that's that new church over there. We've been here longer than they have been. We got a right to this territory because we, friend, we got just as much right being here as anybody, anybody else. But see, that's the thing here. These people have been here a lot longer than they have. Nine of them, official documents, you know. And what you have here is. What we're going to say here, it must be true because we've got so many supporting it. We got all, we got nine different provinces here, and we got, we got Rehum, the chancellor of hell, and we got Shimshay, the scribe from hell, and we got all these people supporting it, so it, it'll have the flavor of being right and true, and you know, it's written in ink because it's written, it has to be right, it has to be true. 
you know, it's written down, it has to be true. Right? Especially when it has an official flavor to it. Sounds to me like some of the school. You can get connected in these schools and online and offline and they can call them homeschools and they can call them Christian and everything else. Alright? If you're not careful, you can be deceived because it's written and it's got the flavor of being official. They are chancellors from hell. Scribes who've written that material from hell. You understand what I'm saying? What are they going to do? Well, we got all these people supporting it, so it must be right. We got it written down, it must be right. It's official, it must be right. We got officials involved with it, it must be right. Verse 10, after it lists the nine different provinces, the rest of the nations whom the great noble... Well, that's a name. A snapper? That almost sounds like sniper. A snapper. I love these names. Hayden, when you get married, you name you need to name your kid a snapper. A snapper. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Rest of the nations, him the great, the great. Oh, say the great, the noble, the snapper. <laughs> With a name like that, great and noble snapper. <laughs> Somebody wants to see you, Pastor. Who is it? A snapper. <laughs> The great and noble, a snapper. <sighs> Brought over and set in the city. Aren't you thankful tonight that you have names like Adrian, Andrew, Tony, Moses, Emmanuel? Aren't you thankful? Who wants names like these? Here you know they you know they in the kingdom of darkness, man, they got names like this. Praise the Lord. Some of you got in the church, you know. Some of the names you named your kids before Christ. Poor kid. Thank God for the ones that when you got in the church and you had them after you got in the church, you named them normal names. You can almost tell when a person was before Christ and after Christ by the names they named their kids. Before Christ, Rehum, Shimshai, a snapper. Thank God for the next kid's sake that you got in the church and call him Joseph or Joshua or something normal. Thank you. You know, and they're about as hard, as hard to pronounce the ones before Christ, about as hard to pronounce as these are to pronounce. It takes me five years to finally get the name right. Aren't you glad you're in church? How many of your kids 
got your name by your parents after they got in the church. Aren't you thankful? Thank God. <laughs> anyway. Brought over and set in the cities of Samaria and the rest that are on this side of the river and at such such time. This is the copy of the letter. Now we're going to look at the letter. Okay, we got all the officials involved and their names and provinces and everything to make it look official, you know. All right, well, what's in the letter? What is in the letter? This lie. Well, it says they sent it to Artaxerxes the king, that's Cambyses. He said, Thy servants and the men on this side of the river, and at such a time, be it known unto the king that the Jews, which came up from thee to us, are coming to Jerusalem, building the, building the rebellious and the bad city. Notice this. Okay? In the letter, lies, falsehood. They say, King, this is a bad city. Yeah, it's a bad church you go to. You go to that church, that, that church, bad church. Bad church. Really? Have you ever been there? No, but it's a bad church. They're lying. They're lying. The falsehood. That's the devil. That's the way he works. It's a bad, that's a bad city. It's full of rebellion. Really? It's full of rebellion? That's a bad church. That church is full of rebellion. Really? It is? It hasn't rebelled since it started. Where's the proof? See, they wrote in the letter, they're overstating the facts. They're overst it's, it's an outright lie. The Jews, since they went back home, brothers and sisters, to rebuild the temple because Cyrus, Cambyses, daddy, gave them the decree. Since they got back, they haven't rebelled one time against the king. When have they ever rebelled? They haven't. It's a lie. And that's a bad city. Really? What have they done bad since they got back? Nothing. It's all gossip. It's gossip. They're going to pre present an official document with nothing more than gossip and hearsay and hyperbole. You know what hyperbole is? Everybody say hyperbole. It's overstating the fact. There is biblical hyperbole. Exaggerating. I didn't get into that. But this is not biblical hyperbole. It's an outright lie. It's an overstating of the fact. Just look. Where's the proof that they're rebelling? Where's the proof they're rebelling? Where's the proof that they're a bad church? Anybody awake? They have none. It's gossip. And not only that, Cambyses, Artaxerxes, I'll just tell you the story. When they get through building this thing, you're going to lose the tax money. You're going to lose the money. 
is they're not going to want to pay taxes to you. You read the story. I'm trying to shorten the time to keep you all night. I want to keep you all night. Just half the night. <laughs> when they get through building this thing, they're not going to bring their taxes, you know. It's about the money. They want the money for themselves. And you're going to lose the money. Really? It's an outright lie. Because they will never stop bringing their taxes. They never stop in the book of Esther bringing their taxes to the king. In the seventh chapter, they're so faithful in bringing their taxes to the king that the king writes a letter and says, we're not going to tax the priest anymore. That's how loyal these people are in paying their taxes to the government. The church is not an enemy. But that's the lie in the letter. You're going to lose the tax money. Number three thing. You're going to lose those people on the other side. They're no longer going to be subject to you anymore. You're going to lose those people. They're going to leave your church and go to When they start this thing, when they start and they build this thing, they're going to empty your church and fill it with your people. You're going to lose the people over there. You get the point. They're not strong enough. These people have just got back home. They're a small number of people. They're not big enough to rebel against the government. They're not big enough to become independent of the Persian ruler. They're not big enough to do that. That's not even in their mind to become an independent state. It's all lies from hell. Falsehood. Lies. Overstating the facts. Gossip. Hyperbole. And the king listens to it. Gossip is so dangerous. Lies and falsehood are so dangerous that even a king who would normally have discernment listens to it and believes it. That's why it's important, church. Be careful about listening to gossip in the workplace. About somebody in the workplace. Be careful about listening to gossip in a church. I didn't gossip tonight. I told you the truth. But be careful of gossip. See, if I'm not careful as a pastor, man, whew, God help me. Because normally I'm trying to find the truth. Normally I'm not wanting to be partial in any form or fashion. Come on, somebody. Because that's not God. It's against the Word of God for me to be partial. But if I'm not careful, even my ear as a pastor can succumb to gossip. I didn't check it out to see if it was true. I didn't check it out. I just believed it. Gossip is so dangerous that even a king will listen to it. There's no truth in it, friend. There's no validity in it. It's just, it's just hearsay. It's lies and it's falsehood. Come on, are y'all here tonight? These lies from the enemy is what caused the work of God to come to a stop. 
The devil didn't just hinder the work. He put it to a stop. He stopped it. God sitting on the throne. The sovereign King of kings and Lord of lords. The devil still succeeded in stopping the work of the church. These people were right in what they were doing. They were right when they wouldn't compromise with religious people. They were right when they wouldn't compromise. They were right when they said no to the Samaritans who wanted to help them build. They were right in everything they were doing. The leadership was right in establishing a pure religion. The leadership was right. The church was right. And God stands on the side of right. But gossip in the ears of a leader, gossip in the ears even of a king is dangerous. The king, Cambyses, the son of Cyrus, never checked to see if it was factual or not. He believed the letter, the official document. He put a stop to the work of God. Son. Cyrus. Let me say it to you this way. There are times, church, number one, you need to understand the perseverance of the devil. He never quits in his warfare against the church. But there, and there are times, Brother Daniel, that he does succeed in stopping the work of the church. It's not like you and I as Christians can go through this work in serving God and think that, well, God's on the throne tonight. He won't let it happen. You can't live like that. We live in the, we understand the doctrine of the sovereignty of the Lord. That means that God is in control of everything. We understand that doctrine. But we also, in order to be a balanced Christian, need to understand that we are in warfare while we're in this world against the prince of darkness. Read Revelation chapter 12. She is, he is constantly seeking to devour the church and swallow her up. And there are times, even though the sovereign Lord is on His throne, He's in control of everything, there are times when Satan succeeds in stopping the work of God. I didn't know that could happen, Pastor. That's why we need to look at this. The perseverance of the enemy, his perpetual attack, he never stops. And the fact that he can succeed. And the way he succeeded was through lies, falsehood, gossip. What do you do when false religion comes to you as a friend? What do you do when your mind is attacked by words and counsel? What do you do when you're accused and slandered? What do you do when you lied on? Where, you're, where it's not just your head that's being attacked. 
but your heart, your emotions. If he couldn't get them in, get them by defeating them in their head, he's going to get them by defeating them in their heart. Frustrate them. You understand? Lie on them. What do you do when you're lied on? And he succeeds. You have to remember there is a governor named Zerubbabel who is a type of the king. You have to remember there's a high priest named Joshua, one leading you in your mind, Jesus Christ, and one governing your heart, a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. He is my king and he's my priest. And I have to keep looking to him. That's why there's a Zerubbabel in the chapter. That's why Yeshua is in the chapter. That's why there's a king, if you will, typically, and a priest typically in the chapter. So you and I will keep our eyes on that headship because there will be times when the enemy's going to come and he's going to put a stop to the work of God in your life. But as long as you have that king, and as long as you have that priest in your life, one God in your mind and one govern your heart, you have a hope because we have a hope in God. Priest-King ministry here. He stops the work, church, for 15 years. I want you to think about that. What if this church has been around for almost 20 years, approximately 20 years. What if the devil was able to stop the work of this church for 15 out of those 20 years. That gives you some idea of how long we're talking about. But everything in this church comes to a stop. He doesn't just hinder it. He stops it for 15 years. You're saying, Lord, we know we did it right. We established the order of God. We didn't compromise doctrinally. We did it right, God. Was it all in vain? Was it all a waste of time, God? The enemy has succeeded in stopping the work. Can you imagine how these Jews must have felt? after making sure and were very careful that they had it, everything just exactly like it was supposed to be. But yet the devil stepped in and was able to stop it. How they must have felt. Is it all in vain? Was it a waste of time? We did it right. You can be right. God sitting on the throne... You're in the will of God. You're doing it right. You're living right. But the devil can still come and stop the work of God in your life. And you're sitting there going, Lord, I know we did it right. Was it vain? Was it waste of time? The devil has succeeded. How did he succeed? He succeeded 
through his servants. He succeeded through those that lied and brought falsehood against the work of God. These people weren't rebellious. These people weren't rebellious. These people were not after the king's money. They weren't trying to become an independent work so they could take the people of the kingdom out of his sovereignty, out of his control. That wasn't what it was about. It was about God through a man giving a decree, telling him to do it. Trying to do God's work and God's will. And they've done it. But yet the devil has succeeded. Have you ever seen that in your life? Listen to me, church. I've, listen, there's an anointing on me right now. I feel God all over me right now. I'm just being honest. I feel God in my hands. There's like fire in my hands. But have you ever been in that place in your life when you've done everything right? You know it too. You know the devil. If he were to bring anything against you, you know it would be a lie. You know it would be gossip and an accusation. You are without fault before your God. You stayed in His will. You've done what He's told you to do according to the Word of God. You've lived holy. you sought for the purest religion possible. But yet, you are the one suffering. Has that ever happened to you? You've done everything you know that was right. And it was pure. And it was holy. But yet, the enemy succeeded through his lies and falsehood to stop the whole thing. And you're sitting there, God, please help us. It's your temple. It's your house. It's your church. It's your order. It's your worship. Everything, God. Lord, would you intervene here? Would you do something to change the mind of the king? Fifteen long years. And you're saying, Lord, can't you change it? Why don't you change it? I didn't know, Lord, I didn't know it would be possible. I didn't know that this could happen. I didn't know this, Lord. I didn't know. You're trying to serve God with all your heart, and if something comes in your life that brings it to a Reaching halt. It brings it to a standstill. You're saying, God, it's your work. Have you ever been there? Lord, why are you allowing this to happen to me? It's your work. See, what God is showing you is it's possible for the devil to succeed in stopping the work of the Lord. But what is important is this, is that if that ever happens in your life individually or as a church, what you have to do is what they did, what the people of God did. And that was persevere for 15 long years.
key to serving God, the key to doing a work for the Lord is when you are attacked in all these different methods perpetually by the enemy is that you never, ever, ever give up. See, I, I really personally believe I'm preaching to some men and women of God in this church. I believe that I'm preaching to a missionary family in this church right now. I believe I'm preaching to men and women who will be ministers of the gospel in this church. And you're going to be doing the work of God and you're going to get in situations like this. And what are you going to do? You're going to feel like running back home to the home church. What you got to do is you got to persevere to the very end. You got to stay when everything has come to a stop. You have to persevere. That's the key. The enemy never quits. He he's perpetual. He perseveres. Okay. He succeeded temporarily, and that's all it is. Is temporarily. Fifteen years is a long time. But we're going to stay with it until something changes. You hear what I'm telling you? And it's that long waiting when the enemy, the enemy himself, has been able to stop the work of God. It's when you want to quit. And you want to go do something else. Persevere to the end. Persevere, persevere. 15 long years. 15 long years. 15 long years. Well, praise the Lord, church. We're looking at over 15 years as a church here. I would love to be able to present more to the Lord than what we have here. Honestly, I would. But I'm not quitting. I'm not quitting. I'm not giving up, man. I'm not giving up. By the grace of God, I'm not talking about my own strength. I'm talking about by the grace of God, I'm not going to give up. I'm going to keep on. I'm going to keep on doing what's right. I'm going to keep on doing the order of God and, and, and all of this. And I'm, I'm, not, I'm not boasting. I'm not bragging. I'm just saying I need God. But this is the only way to see anything done in the kingdom of God. Is never stop. Never quit. And there's one little window of possibility. When the king writes his decree to stop the work, Cambyses, the son of Cyrus, writes the decree to stop the work. One little window. He leaves one window. Because when a king signs a decree, it cannot be altered. Not in the Persian Empire. Once a king makes a decision, it cannot be altered. But God gives a little window in His decree. And that little window is until change the decree. It's going to stop until look at it. Verse 21. Campus, he said, I've checked the records. I've seen how these kings in history, I've seen how Joshua overthrew seven kings in the land of Canaan. I've seen the kings, great and powerful kings of Israel. I've seen them conquer the nations. But it was God through them. 
He said, I can verify these conquering kings. But you see, that wasn't in the present plan for them to overthrow Cambyse. You with me? Peter writes this king, this, this decree. Verse 21, give you now commandment to cause these men to, to cease and that this city be not builded until it, ah, window, until another commandment shall be given from me. That is the grace of God. That little window right there, because had he written it, it never, it couldn't be altered. It cannot be altered. But then he says, he puts the little window in there, a little attachment that it can be altered. It can be changed until another command comes. That's a window from God. Fifteen long years. Take heed, verse 22, now that you fail not to do this, they should damage, why should damage go to the herd of the king? Now when the copy of the king Artaxerxes' letter was read before Rehum and Shemshay the scribe and their companions, they went up in, look at this, haste to Jerusalem and to the Jews and to, to make and made them to cease by force and power. Look at this, hidden agendas. See, they presented the theory that the Jews were in rebellion against the kingdom. They wanted to appear like they had the, the well-being of the king of Persia and the kingdom at heart. That wasn't the motive. They had a hidden agenda. They wanted to shut down the work of God. They were adversaries sent from hell. So the Bible says they make haste. They run. They can't wait. Shut the whole thing down. God doesn't stop it. 